Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, the podcast where current and aspirational entrepreneurs can learn skills and get inspired to take their business to the next level. I'm Ellen Barton and today my guest is Megan Lynch. Megan is a super entrepreneur who's the president and CEO of Six Point Creative, a brand development agency that specializes in helping growth-oriented business owners scale their brand and marketing. Megan, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I'm so intrigued by your company and your story. Um, You are also a graduate of Goldman Sachs 10KSB, which is aimed at helping small businesses grow. And I just want to mention that because that's how we met. Yeah. So um, that was a great program. And and I know we both got a lot out of it. But have you, so what's your background? Have you always been an entrepreneur? No, until I went through the 10KSB program, I don't even know that I would self-identify as an entrepreneur. I was kind of like a person who happened to own a business. Um, (laughs) I think that qualifies. I don't know. (laughs) I know, but for some reason, entrepreneurs to me are like people in garages with big ideas and kind of reinventing things. And that just wasn't how I thought of myself. I was just kind of showing up every day and doing the work, not really thinking about myself as somebody who could be influencing kind of the trajectory of the business or the trajectory of a market. So... Um, that's an interesting distinction. So how did you happen to find yourself owning a business? Um, I actually started off, I was very, I was, um, an English major and was very convinced that I wanted to be a professor. So I was getting my master's degree and started doing advertising while I was getting that degree. And, Basically, I started enjoying my day job better than academia, which surprised me a little bit because I thought all I wanted to do was read books. Um, And then I worked at several different agencies until I found one where my my two partners were also working. And as we were working together, a lot of the conversations I had with them was like, you know, you guys could really you're doing amazing work. You're brilliant. You could really do this a lot better. Start a business and I would come work for you. And so finally they did start a business and they said, well, instead of coming on as our employee, why don't you come on as our partner? And the rest was history. I was 28 at the time. So I just didn't know better to say no. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's, uh, I laugh because uh, there's a lot to owning a business that we don't realize sometimes when we get started. Um, It's better not to know. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, sometimes I think that too. Um, although with this, with this podcast, I try to, you know, help people get some practical tips and some inspiration and motivation to keep going because it it can get tough sometimes. But, um, before we get into all of that, what, what do you think it was about advertising that you love so much? Well, I kind of the phrase that I tend to use is that, you know, when I, what I loved about being an English major was reading literature and seeing patterns in it and kind of making connections. And now I don't read books, I read businesses. And that's a a lot of what I see branding and brand strategy being about is helping people read the label on their own bottle that they can't quite see clearly. 
That is so interesting. I don't read books. I read businesses. I love that. And what and 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 that is true that people who um, have their own business or even are working on their own brand for themselves, they're too close to it. They can't see. They're they're like inside the bottle. They can't see the outside of the bottle. Exactly. Like you, like you just said. So, what? Let's just talk a little bit more about like that. Why why is it so hard to do this for yourself? Well, I think like anything, I mean, you you bring your own baggage to it. You know, I mean, for some people, it's, you know, some imposter syndrome of, oh, I can't possibly be that good or, oh, it's just me. You know, I can't live up to that. Um but when you talk to their customers or you talk to people outside, you know, the way they describe them is really clear and they just can't quite um, see it the, that same way. Um, and I also just think that there's that you can't see the forest for the trees. You're just too deep in the day-to-day work to be able to pick your head up enough to be able to see the big picture. Um, but I mean, I, and I feel like I do this, all the time. I mean, I do this for a living. Our team does it all the time. And I had to kind of, you know, quote unquote, like hire my team to rebrand Six Point when we were ready to do that, that I, I knew that I couldn't be the one to say this was going to be our brand. This is what we're going to look like and feel like or sound like. I needed people who knew us well, but who weren't the owners. Um, so my partners and I were not involved at all in our own rebranding just because we know from experience we were the worst purple people to do that. Yeah, that's interesting. And I've had the same experience with my own company. It's very hard to do for yourself, if not impossible. And you were smart to remove yourself from the process. So that's, um, that's, that's cool. But um, one of my questions I wanted to ask you is about the name of Six Point Creative. Where did that come from? Um, well, when we first started, it was kind of the, the running joke that my partner, David would design things in unreadable six point type. It was a, an unfair label that he got early on. So when we were talking about the company and we're like, Oh, we want it to be creative works. Cause we're, you know, creative and we like the kind of energy of works, but that sounds generic. What could we put in front of it? Well, David would probably do it six point type. So we were like, ah, ha ha, that's funny. And, uh, so that became the company name. I wish that there was kind of a better backstory to it. We kind of then backfilled our six points of marketing and, uh-huh. and lived with that for a little while as we started up. But what I've found about the name is that it tends to just stick with people that people uh-huh. remember it. And so even though in some ways we've kind of outgrown the name, we still, love it and and have have stuck with it so well i actually i think that's a great story because it takes it takes the um the listener uh, me in this case and then our listeners but it takes me back to the place where you're a startup and you're you know at you're 28 years old and you're beginning and and he you know unfair or not you know he, um he gets teased or it gets noticed that he likes to work in you know small font and that sticks and and I think it's a great story. It's it's like, even if you weren't really in a garage, it's taking me back to those early days. Yeah, exactly. We're on a porch just kicking back and, you yeah. know, trying to brainstorm what would be a good name. And at that point, you just have no idea what your future is going to hold. So anything sounds good, we'll make it work. And um, and we have. So. Yeah, no, you certainly have. And 
I um, I know a bit about your company, and I find it really interesting the way you've grown and chosen to position yourselves. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about that, because I think that many entrepreneurs, when they're starting out, they make the mistake of being too broad and being um, thinking everyone is their customer. And you, I don't know if you ever did that in the history of your company, but you've really honed in on who your customer is. So can you talk a little bit about that process? Sure. I mean, yeah, definitely when we started up, you're hungry, you just want sales, you're like, you know, we're smart, we can figure it out, we can do anything for anybody. And also between myself and my two partners there um, have, you know, probably about 20 to 30 years more experience than I do. So between the the three of us, we had a pretty broad range of experience and expertise. So we kind of felt like, oh, this is perfect. We can literally do anything. Um, and and I and again, that got us pretty far. You know, it got us in business. You know, six or seven years before we hit the edge of that network and hit the edge of that referral business and hit the edge of that positioning. And then we just kind of hit this wall where it was like two or three years in a row of we'd gain a client, we'd lose a client, we'd bring on somebody, we'd lose somebody, and we just could not grow past that. And it took a while to realize that like, oh my God, we we have to kind of apply our own trade on ourselves. So if we had a client coming to us and say that, they could do anything for anyone, we'd be like, that's not an acceptable brand position. You need to hone that. So we really had to go back to a process of looking at, you know, where were our personal passions, you know, go back to the start. Why did we start this business? Go back to our skill sets and kind of look for patterns in that, you know, what, what about our skill sets are, are valuable? Where are, where is our highest and best use? And then look at the market, you know, what will people pay for? What does the market demand? And just try to find the sweet spot between those three elements. And that was really where we came up with the idea of number one, honing in on brand development and brand strategy, because that was really the common thread through all of our work. If we were doing a website or brochure, we would still be trying to like jam brand strategy into it you know like well why don't you reorder your products while you're you know thinking about your website or you know be like no 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 we just want a website just keep it simple but we couldn't stop thinking that way and then um and then the second stage entrepreneur was meaningful to us these kind of growth oriented skill uh scaling businesses because that's what we were and we kind of looked at our client base and not all of our clients were second stagers, but the ones that we were most excited about were. And so it was just kind of this like really great um, synergy between like who we were, why we started and kind of our DNA and also what we found was a really underserved market. So what is, how do you define that second stage entrepreneur? So second stage entrepreneurs are companies that are between a million and $50 million in revenue with between 10 and a hundred employees that are particularly growth oriented. So they're looking to grow beyond that size. And what's interesting about them is that there is no, it's not about 
at 10 years, you hit that point. We've met second stage companies that have been in business 60 years, 100 years, um, you know, and some that have been in business three or four years, that it's not, it's not a time thing. It's about when do you hit that size and also decide that you still have an appetite for more growth. That's really interesting because it's also, it speaks to the mindset of the leadership in those companies. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a lot about mindset because if you're fine staying at that, you know, at a smaller size, then you're not worried about setting up systems and processes that enable scaling. You're not worried about how do we attract really high level talent. You're just kind of like, no, this is a profitable business. It works for me. I like the size. This is right size for our market. This is all we need. And from that standpoint, you know, I wouldn't consider you second stage and I wouldn't consider, you know, brand development, brand strategy being a key piece to the future of the company. It's really more about maintenance and, you know, kind of status quo. Right. And that's an important distinction. I know my core business is video production and we, so we often fall into marketing with that. And I decided, I wish it was longer ago, but maybe a year or two ago, that I don't, I no longer wish to work with companies where I have to justify marketing to them. You know, it, it has to be a mindset. It's so important that it has to be somebody, at least for me, that already knows they want it or need it or values it. Because um, when I was uh, younger and hungrier, we would kind of do what you said and, you know, work with anybody. But that's at least for me, that was not a good way to continue growing. Yeah, we really need a values match with our clients. So they do need to value our core offering, which is brand strategy and brand development. So they either need to have succeeded without paying any attention to their brand. And now they finally realize like, oh, you know, we actually are a lot better than people understand. Like anytime I hear the words best kept secret, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. We can probably help you. Um, (laughs) But just the fact that they're saying like best kept secret, now we have to actually like get that secret out means that they're starting to value um, the role that brand strategy can play. And, um, or they're going to be somebody where brand has just been a core part of how they've grown the business. They're somebody who naturally orients themselves in a brand conscious way they value brands they're probably a consumer and kind of curator of brands uh they might have a creative or marketing background but they just realize that the company's getting to the point where if they basically are the brand you know anytime they touch the brand it's really successful anytime they try to delegate the brand it just kind of falls apart or falls flat Um, those are also companies that we can help because what we really excel at is trying to find out, you know, what is that X factor that you're bringing to the table and how do we codify it and how do we make it repeatable so that you can step away and that brand can still be representing you, you know, and you're, you're able to, to still keep the effectiveness of what you've built, but not actually have to stay in it. So it's sometimes it becomes kind of one of the last things that a business owner will delegate is their brand. Right. That makes sense. Have you in, in this transition you've made in your own company, have you had to fire clients? Um, I wouldn't say fire. (laughs) Um, I've had to have some like 
both heart to hearts with clients about the direction that we're going with the company and, you know, are they a fit for that direction? Or also, you know, some conversations with clients about, you know, we're going to kind of right size your services. So we were providing things that are outside of our scope and we're not going to do that anymore. So it's, I think for most clients, I feel like if you're having that conversation, then there's probably a question about mutual fit anyway. So it's less um, firing them and more just kind of like, yeah, cool. It sounds like we're going in different directions we'll go this way, you go that way. Best of luck. We'll see you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I bring that up, you know, not because, um, you know, I want any of your clients to hear this and worry about getting fired, but more um, because this show is aimed at entrepreneurs and I want people to know that there is a real value in um, being more picky about who you work with and aligning with your clients because a misaligned client can sap a whole lot of your energy and time and resources and, you know, simply not be worth it. Yeah. We actually have a line item on our strategic three-year plan to have a roster devoid of time sucking, no potential clients. (laughs) Um, And, and luckily like that's not the roster that we have right now. We have a lot of very high potential, exciting clients who are growth oriented. Um, But but yeah, it had to be a conversation that we had about, you know, like, let's look critically at our roster. And if we want to be working with high potential brands, then we can't be working with low potential brands. So we need to, you know, kind of keep honing that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I love how intentional you are about that. That's, that's um, a sign of a successful entrepreneur. But I wanted to ask you, so in addition to being this super business person, You're also a long-distance runner, and that requires a good amount of discipline. So I'm curious if there are um, skills or um, elements of that um, practice of long-distance running that you've been able to translate into running your business. Is there something about about how you manage your time or your scheduling or... um, just your routine that has helped you in the business world? Definitely. I started running ultra marathons about three or four, well, probably more like five years ago now. What's an ultra marathon? Uh, so it's any distance over the marathon distance. So 50K, 50 miles. I haven't done a hundred miler yet, but it's on my bucket list for my oh, 40. Oh, Megan, so. my goodness. Uh, okay. Wow. Um, but but yeah, and and once you once you hit that that distance, you you know my for my first fifty miler when I was on the start line, all I was telling myself was what other ultra runners had told me, which was aid station to aid station. Do not think about how far you need to go. You know that the end goal is fifty miles, like that's kind of in the back of your head, but that's not what you're thinking about. You're only going from mile one to mile five from mile five to mile 10 and you're just thinking aid station to aid station and I find that that mentality in the business is highly highly critical you know I just referenced you know having a three-year plan with really specific goals on it that you know I have to kind of break it down I know what our north star is you know our 10-year big picture goal, but I can't just focus on that because I just get overwhelmed with like, oh my God, we're so far from that. So all I can think of is, okay, what would be the first step to get us, you know, a third of the way 
to that 10-year goal. Okay, once I have a third of the way, I need to break it down to a third of the way of that. And, you know, okay, well, what am I going to do this quarter to get us a third of a way to the third of a way to the major goal? (laughs) Um, And then just do that thing. And what I find is that, you know, whether it's at the end of a race or at the end of a year, you look back and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe how far we went. (laughs) But the um, so I, I feel like that mentality of of always having those stretch goals in mind, but never letting them overwhelm you is a really key piece of how I run myself and how we run the company now. So. Well, that's great advice. That's that's like definitely one of those golden nuggets. So thank you for sharing that. Maybe maybe you'll have another one for us because I want to ask you about partners. Because you mentioned you have partners. Do you still have those partners? Um, I do. We're in the process of transitioning the business. So one of them is going to be retiring in February, and uh, we are doing um, like a buyout at the end of this year. So at the end of twenty. 18, I'll be the sole owner. One of my partners will still be involved in the business um, after that. But Okay. But you have worked with them for years. Yeah, for 11 years. Yeah. 11 years. Okay. So, so then I think it's, it's valid to ask this question about um, partners can be tough, you know, and um, it's just like I have a... Um, a daughter that just started college and she's learning that having a roommate can be tough. You know, it's despite all your best intentions, stuff comes up and you have to work through it. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. So um, what would be your thoughts on choosing a partner and then maybe some tips for a successful working relationship with said partner? I mean, I feel like I really completely lucked out with the two partners that I have. They have been just both incredibly easy to work with and trustworthy and thoughtful that I've heard so many partner horror stories that um, I don't, you know, I feel like we lucked out in that we picked each other and could work really well together. We had worked in a professional setting together before. And I think that that's helpful because it helps kind of build just an understanding of each other's quirks and patterns and strengths and weaknesses and how those apply themselves specifically in a business setting, which I do think is critical. I don't know that I would start a business with friends. Um, But other than that, I mean, I can't quite pinpoint exactly what makes us work so well together, but we make decisions very easily together. Um, I do feel like the piece of advice that I would give is to figure out early and continue to practice having difficult conversations together. Um, You know, I feel like we've gotten much better at that over the years. Not that we, you know, didn't, you know, weren't able to have them, but we were kind of less skilled at it of, you know, how do we start to break this down so that it's not going to get emotional and how do we make sure that everybody's voice is heard? And, um, and one of the things that I really appreciate about both my partners is that we think in really different ways and we bring different perspectives to the table. And I start to, to kind of understand, particularly now as they're looking to transition out of the business, I, I feel like we each have a role and I understand exactly 
what um, what I use them for, kind of what I look to them for, and what I appreciate about their perspective. So then, you know, by identifying that, it both helps me include them in, you know, more positive ways in the business, but also as they're looking to transition out, it also helps me understand what exactly I'm going to be losing when they leave, because it's beyond just kind of the actual seat that they fill in the company, uh, that there's emotional roles or decision-making roles that they fill. You know, I've got my devil's advocate and I've got my optimist, (laughs) you know, so it's, um, so, so kind of starting to, to hone in on, on exactly what they're bringing to the table beyond just the work is, has been really important to me as I think about transition. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really interesting. And, and what I've heard from other people is that having those clearly defined roles is important. Um, communication, you know, obviously open communication is critical if you're looking at partners. Um, but there are a lot of downfalls, obviously pitfalls. So um, I would encourage anyone considering a partnership to use caution. Um, that that idea of having worked with them professionally before being a big asset is is a good tip, I think. Yeah, and I think after you know, I do feel like I lucked out with the partners I have, and understanding that you know we we made it work. But I don't know that that I will very quickly go back into looking for more partners. Um, you know, I feel like starting the business was one thing, but, um, you know, I feel like the one thing that we did here at 10 KSB is that, you know, give away equity very carefully and kind of as a last resort. And so I feel like that is something that I, you know, as I kind of enter the next stage of the business, um, and if somebody already has a viable business, I think we sometimes tend to think of, partners as like an easy way to bring in skills or bring in dollars. But, um, but I don't, it's, it's not always easy and it can be disastrous for a company. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Megan, you said something at the beginning of this conversation about, um, I mentioned that we had both gone through the Goldman Sachs program and you said that you saw that as um, the point at which you started being an entrepreneur, ceased becoming just a default or de facto business owner and started uh, really becoming an entrepreneur. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What what does it mean to you to be a true uh, leader of your business and entrepreneur? Well, I feel like it's something that, you know, for the first time I'm, I'm actually very excited about. I, I always kind of saw the running of the business as like my least favorite part of the job. I liked the work. I didn't like that so much, but I feel like in the past couple of years, I've really seen the job of the CEO, especially as we've gotten big enough that I've been able to like more firmly sit in the seat of the CEO. Um, that the idea of being able to be a couple of steps ahead of the rest of the company, to be looking out at the market, to be constantly also honing that role as a craft of how do I be the best leader I can be? How do I be the best CEO I could be? There's so much to learn (laughs) Um, that if I look at it as a challenge, it just becomes exciting to me, you know, that it's this whole 
new set of things to learn. You know, I thought, you know, I thought I was good. You know, I was very good at the work, you know, the work of brand strategy, the work in the business, the CEO role becomes a totally different challenge. That's very separate from the discipline that I practice day to day with clients, but also it helps to inform that business, you know, that work as well, because I'm consulting with CEOs. So it's very helpful if I can be an intentional CEO. It also helps me understand the pain points that they're going through that I can, you know, kind of hone our process to be sensitive to those pain points or to understand what else, what are the other pressures in their business that have nothing to do with branding or marketing, but end up affecting it. Um, so that's been a really powerful realization for me personally and for the company. Yeah, I think it's an important distinction to make. I remember in my class, they were talking about a lot of times, um, like uh, restaurants will be started by somebody who's really good at cooking, but they don't necessarily want to or have you know much interest in running the business. And um, there's many reasons restaurants are notorious for failing, but that's one of them. Is is you know it's very different being in it and doing the 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 baking or the cooking or the creative work in in your case it's very different to running the company and having to wear that hat of the strategic visionary and um driver of the bus you know um so i think i i think that's another nugget to leave our listeners with is is that it's very different and if you're going to run a business, you have to be prepared to step into that role at some point. Right. Or if that's really not what you want to do, that you need to find somebody who does want that seat, or you need to say small enough where that's not ever truly something that you need to do. You know, I think that there are right. options. Uh, if that's, you know, if you're just really good at the work and that's where your heart is, you know, it's not that everyone has to switch seats. You know, I, somebody said, once I can't remember where, where I heard it, but I, I like the phrase that, um, you, that, that people always say work on your weaknesses, but then all you'll ever have is really strong weaknesses instead go to your strengths. You know? So I think that like, that's something that I also really try to remember is that, you know, both in my team and in myself, it's not that you never work on a weakness, but, that if you can play to your strengths, you're going to be so much stronger than you ever could if if all you're doing is trying to, you know, get really good at stuff that you don't really care about or really like or really have the skills for. Oh, that's really good. That's that's really good. I'm going to write that down in my notes here. Um, I like that. And that requires being self-aware enough to know what your weaknesses and your strengths are. Exactly, which is always, and, and they shift. You know, I feel like what I was good at when I was 28 is not what I'm good at when, you know, I'm 38. So um, it's, it's, it's all, you know, on a continuum, but, but self-awareness, I feel like is a huge part of being a business owner, um, being able to, to step outside yourself, to hear people's feedback and understand, you know, how you're showing up on a day-to-day basis, um, to your customers, to your employees is, is a really huge piece of, of how you're able to grow. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, unfortunately we're running out of time, but, um, we talked a lot about overcoming challenges and positioning your business and, you know, many of the, the things to be aware of as you start and grow a business. But, 
I would like to end on a very super positive note and ask you what it is that you most love about your business and running your business. Yeah, it's it's a great question. I mean, I I do feel like like for me it does go back to that getting to read businesses. You know, I thought that that what would make me truly happy was, you know, sitting on a college campus reading Victorian literature for years and years, but instead what I've where I really find joy is um talking to so many different businesses seeing patterns between them that they just can't see because they're not having so many of the same conversations with companies in the same situations and being able to use that um, very privileged position to be able to kind of bring insight that helps companies just totally change their trajectory. Um, You know, doing brand development work is just it's really inherently rewarding because you get to take companies who have done the really, really, truly hard work of getting their operations in order, getting their products and their services really honed, having them be valuable to the marketplace. And then we get to kind of come in and show them, you know, all this hard work that you're doing, that strategic, you know, that 20 page strategic plan that you have laid out, when that comes to life, you know, five years down the road and all this hard work pays off, this is what you're going to look like. This is what you're going to sound like. This is what you're going to be. And just watching them, you know, kind of say, oh, wow, that's what we're going to be. You know, it just kind of unlocks this whole other layer of excitement in the principal, in the employees, even in customers, in prospective hires. Like it's just the the energy it unleashes is really exciting and it's hard to do that in any other way other than creative work, you know, other than art and design and words and video and, you know, all of those creative medium that we get to use to bring emotion to something that for most, for most days for people is just kind of the thing that they come in and do every day. So to add some emotion and excitement to it is, is a real privilege. Oh, that's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. That's um that's that's important work, you know. That that's that's really cool. You you have grown a um or you are growing, I guess you're not done, but you're growing a fantastic company there, Megan. And um I'd like to share your website on my website when we when we release this podcast and everybody can easily check you out. Is there a good um email if people have additional questions? Sure. My email is M Lynch L Y N C H at S-I-X-P-O-I-N-T creative.com. So six point creative.com. And if anybody does want to drop me an email, we also have some little books that I think actually sparked the conversation for this podcast where we have, um, we put some quotes and some stats in them and also a couple of uh, tools. One that we like is the Eisenhower matrix, which is all about delegating and focusing your time as a business owner. So um, if you're interested in getting one of those notebooks, you can just drop me an email, mention the podcast, and I'm happy to get one out to you. Oh, wonderful. That that sounds great, Megan. We may have to have another podcast to just talk about that. But, um, <laughs> but I'm glad that we got to get more into your business because it's so interesting. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the conversation. It's always fun to Always fun to talk about yourself. So. 
<laughs> well, it was fun to listen because it, it's a great story. So thank you for taking the time to um, speak with me today. And thanks, everybody, for listening. My guest was Megan Lynch of Six Point Creative. And you can get those links. You can find out more about Megan and her company on our website, ellenbarton.com. And um, please check that out. Then tune in again next week for another episode of the podcast that's designed to help your business make a dynamic upward pivot. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our eBooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.